Welcome to Connecting Africa, a podcast series from Africa Tech Festival, where we'll be chatting to some of Africa's top thought leaders and startups about the hot topics in tech across the continent and beyond. I'm Paula, the editor of Connecting Africa, coming to you from Durban, South Africa, and helping me to make sense of it all are my two co-hosts from different parts of the continent. Hi, my name is Toby, co-founder of Venture for Africa, recording this from Accra, Ghana. And I'm Matebo, the associate editor of Connecting Africa, and I'm based in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome to another Connecting Africa podcast. Today, we're taking a deep dive into Ghana's fintech ecosystem and are joined by Bezo Money founder Mubarak Somalia, who gives us some insight into the mobile financial services sector in Ghana and how it differs to its counterparts in places like Nigeria and Kenya. Bezo Money's mission is to use tech to help unbanked and underbanked Ghanaians and especially young people to gain access to financial systems. On this podcast, he shares his story as a founder and gives us a very honest view on how hard it really is to build a fintech startup in Africa. He talks about the ways that people do or don't access the financial market and why Africa's banking history has left so many people unbanked to this day. We also discuss how pervasively mobile money has impacted Ghana's financial sector and how the strength of some mobile operators in the space is actually making it harder for fintech startups to flourish. He tells us just how expensive it is to get licenses as a fintech startup and how onerous regulation continues to hold back innovation. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, today we have Mubarak with us in the studio, quote unquote. And Mubarak is the co-founder of Bezel Money um, and the CEO as well, which is a fintech company in Ghana. Um, what they do is they provide digital financial products and services for the underbanked population and young individuals. But obviously, Mubarak is a better person to talk about what it is they do in a bit more detail. Uh, but the purpose of the conversation today really is just to have a quick chat about Ghana's fintech ecosystem. For those who might sort of like already be in the know of what goes on, uh, Ghana's ecosystem, particularly in the fintech space, has been relatively quiet. Uh, but doesn't mean there's not a lot of work going on in the space. And so we just I have brought Mubarak on as an insider, in a sense, to really share a bit more insights and nuances into what's going on in the ecosystem, who the big players are. Um, and hopefully everybody comes away from this conversation with a better understanding of what the Ghanaian fintech ecosystem and market looks like um, in this day and age. Um, so Mubarak, welcome to the Connecting Africa podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's good to be here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So maybe just to kick things off on a slightly light note, I know I give a quick intro there, but if you can just have a, you know, just give us a quick description of, you know, what it is that you're building within the fintech ecosystem in Ghana. And then I'll just dive in with my first couple of questions and then Paula will probably continue as well. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, we uh, run a digital uh, financial startup in Ghana. Um, it's a digital bank for people that are unbanked and underbanked. And uh, we help them save, invest, borrow, spend, send, and send money. Um, and we started in the mesh training program. And it's so funny. I was actually, um, you know, selected by, by Toby, <laughs> you know, to join the program. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think this was back in 20, uh, 2017, I think. Um, and yeah. you know, I was, I was in the program in, in 2018 and then sometime during the program, I, I went, I, um, uh, I went home to see my mom and I saw how she and her friends were saving money within the savings group. Um, and I was quite intrigued to see what they were doing. And 
upon asking me about why they were doing that, she told me it was it was mainly because they didn't have bank accounts and they didn't have any kind of access to the formal financial system. Um, and so I was, you know, and I didn't I didn't understand why the banks were, were not building something for people that are on band like my my, my mom, uh, based on what they were already used to, which was the group saving scheme. So I I, I uh, rushed back to, to to best and spoke to my friends, and we decided to make it a capstone project, which uh, eventually led to to the the, the company carrying these. So the 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 name Bizu actually means group, so it's group money, <laughs> in uh, okay. you know one of our, our, our local languages. A, a lot of people you know um, ask what the name actually means if it has anything to to, to do with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe yeah. just an idea. Try get some money out of him; it would help, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and you know, we didn't we didn't think about it until like months later. We're like, oh, okay, actually, sounds like business is money. Uh, but <laughs> uh, we we went through the 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 mesh, uh, uh, mesh, uh, training program and then uh, raised some money from there. Uh, we offered a hundred thousand dollars to go figure it out, and um, we went out, got hit by by COVID, so things were like pretty slow. And it took a little bit of time to get things off the ground. Um, currently, we have a team of uh, 22 people. We have about 100,000 customers. Um, we've raised almost a million dollars in in VC funding, <laughs> uh, which you know wasn't very easy. <laughs> it's super <laughs> tough. Um, and uh, our our savings product is is what's live now. Uh, people can create personal savings goals and group savings goals and save towards them. Um, and they, uh, they can lock, you know, the, the, the wallet while it's kind of like saving. And uh, they can also automate the deposit process from their, from their mobile money wallet. Hmm. Um, and yeah, they can set as many goals as, as they, they basically want. Um, and I'll talk a lot about, about, about uh, uh, mobile money. It's super big in Ghana right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of the things that has made what, uh, what we're doing in Ghana possible now. Um, yeah, hmm. so that's, that's what we do in a nutshell yeah. if that's a nutshell <laughs> it sounds very interesting yeah. i just want to jump in before toby has his like 10 questions um, okay. i think this thing about the unbanked is super interesting and for our listeners who maybe aren't on the continent or don't live in place other places that have unbanked issues you know like asia um africa is obviously a big big market for that tell us a bit about that you know across africa and specifically in ghana what is the issue with people not being banked and how often takes like you guys you know kind of bridging that gap or changing things up yeah, so um, I mean, when I read the history of why you know things are the way they are, um, what I what I uh, discovered was that you know when the banks came to Africa, um, their main goal wasn't to like you know create accounts for people <laughs> that are Africans. Their main goal was to basically extract value out of, out of the continent, um, and so they were mostly servicing the middle class and the upper class, right, or the the middle income and you know the high net worth people. So there was a lower income sort of like segments that was that was heavily um kind of like unbanked right that didn't have any any kind of bank accounts um they didn't have any any way to save money um kind of like in a in a, in a proper financial uh infrastructure or like products and so what what they've been doing since you know for centuries <laughs> is this in kosusu so in ghana it's 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 basically kosusu um it has many different names in many different countries i think in south africa they are called champ um uh, stock bells in Kenya, they are, they are, they are exactly, Chama. Yeah. It has like many different names, right? And so, um, these people basically figured out a way to bank themselves, right? So in Ghana, there's, there's one, 
uh, model where there's this guy called a Susu collector that would come to you on a daily basis and take money from you, you know, for a 30 day period. And at the end of the, the 30 day period, um, the person would give you back your money minus a 3% fee with no interest. Right. And people do this. A lot of people do this. Um, according to the, to the, to the data that we, we saw from, from CGAP, there's about $150 million that is being saved on a monthly basis in Ghana right now through this, uh, you know, like collectors. And so that's like one model. And it's, it's so interesting that someone would actually pay money to save money. Right. They pay, th- they pay 3% of what they save to the Susu collector <laughs> to save the yeah. money. And there's no interest, which is like, Sounds like a bad blowing, deal right? to me. <laughs> it is a bad deal, <laughs> but it, it shows you how deep the, the need is. So how deep they, they, they really want, uh, want to save. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Ghana has a culture of saving. There's a thing about people, you know, kind of like saving for today for the future, like just, you know, just having something that you could pass on to your kids or something that you, you could sort of like fall on when there's any, when there's any, uh, any, any kind of emergency, uh, you know, sometime in, in the, in the future. So there's that thing of like, you know, kind of like putting money aside for like, you know, any future things that you might not sort of like expect. Um, and so there, there's that. And then there's this other mode of the, the SUS, which, which is a group saving scheme. Right. So you have people, that's what my mom was doing. They, they meet on a, on a weekly basis. Some meet on a, on a, on a, on a uh, kind of like daily basis, monthly basis. And then they would pull money together and then they would give the box sum to one person within the group, which is, you know, essentially an interest-free loan. Right. So they would do that until each person in the group gets the, the lump sum. Right. And, the, and then when they, when they get the money, they, they would typically invest the money into, you know, kind of like buying inventory for their business, uh, paying school fees. I mean, things that they, 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 the, the big things that they basically have to take care of. Some, some even buy lands and then, you know, like build houses, you know. So, um, and this has been going on for a very long time. Right. So people have basically been banking themselves because they didn't have, because the banks didn't want to bank them. And then they also, you know, eventually didn't have any interest in, in banking with the, with the, with the bank. Right. And then uh, over time, um, the, 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 the need or the gap that, that, uh, basically, uh, existed, uh, began to be filled by the microfinance companies. Right. So they, they basically came into, to service that particular segment. And um, they, they haven't done a very good job. They've done, they've done a very terrible job. I, I mean, Ghana, they, they, I don't know about the other countries, but mm-hmm. they've done a very terrible job in Ghana. Uh, they came in, you know, they managed to, to, to bank a lot of these people. And, um, but they were kind of like taking advantage of them, right? They, were, they, they had like crazy interest rates. Um, you know, I, I think that was like the, the, the main thing, the interest rates. You know, I remember there was a lady that there's, there's a lady in my in my mom's area that that took a loan from a from a microfinance, and I think the 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 interest rates was twelve percent a month, Whoa. right? In in the US, wow. that's like per annum. <laughs> it was just a month, right? So she was literally, yeah. you know, it, it was crazy, and I mean, she took it because she, she she needed the money, right? And and most of these people just need the money to go buy inventory for their business, so they can they can they can basically continue selling, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the only way she could get a loan. She couldn't go to a bank. She didn't have any kind of credit history and, and all of that. So, so the, the, the microfinance, you know, people <laughs> came and did a terrible job, uh, took advantage of this. people. they made a lot of money, though. Some even basically, uh, you know, like, you know, like embezzled funds and all of that. And then um, there was also this uh, uh, kind of like trend where, you know, they, they kind of like have uh, agents, 
that would that uh, that would go on ground and, and and go and take money from people. So, a lot of the things that they were doing was not very sort of like efficient, right? And their internal processes were like paper based and it was all manual. So eventually, they that, I mean that entire industry went went down in Ghana. Um, the central bank closed about three hundred of them about three years ago. And when that happened, again, it, it basically created a gap in the in the, in the industry, right? Uh, amongst the 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 unbanked people, and this gap, you know, some way somehow, you know, we I think we also launched almost at ar- ar- around the same time, <laughs> which was really really good. Um, and so we're like, yeah, this is this is a very good opportunity to to get in and then use tech, which is you know better than doing things in a in a paper based manual way, uh, to to basically help bank these people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So very insightful. So like deep dive into obviously the problem statement of, of the underbanked. Um, so maybe the slight layer on top of that that I wanted to maybe dive into was sort of like around um, financial services in Ghana as a whole. Right. Where I think around 2016 or was it 2015, where mobile money started to become more of a theme. And I feel like it sounds like your platform is sort of like leveraging that mobile money infrastructure. So I'm just wondering, prior to mobile money and everything else, how would you have described Ghana's fintech ecosystem or financial um, services uh, you know, industry? And what industry, does it look yeah. like now, you know, since Momo has been introduced? Yeah, um, I, I remember in 2011, was it 2011? No, it was 20, 2013, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, was in, I was in the university and my mom used to send me money through a bus. <laughs> <laughs> that was 2013, <laughs> right? My mom literally used to send me money through a bus. And then it got to a time, I think I was, I was, um, I think 17. So eventually when I got to level 200, I was 18. So um, I ended up going to create a bank account with a bank called Ghana Commercial Bank. And when, and when, when they sent me the money, it was like a, a little money, but there would be like a long queue, right? You'd have mm. to wait for six hours just to take money out, out of the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like it was so inconvenient and so uncomfortable. <laughs> right. But that was that was like the that was what was there. And then uh, I don't know. I think my, my, my dad realized that he could send me money on mobile money. I mean, it was it was super early at that at that at that like, point in time. Um, so he uh, he started I, I didn't have an account. So he would send me the money and give me this token. And then I would, mm. I would go to the agents and then take the money out. And I, I felt like this was like, this was a game changer. In my mind, I was mind blown. I was like, this is, this is amazing, right? The mm. fact that I don't have to go spend six hours at the bank and I could just go to an agent and take this money out. That was like, that was really, really good, right? Mm. So uh, before, uh, there's this thing in Ghana, it's kind of like, it's, it's not a good thing, but it is, it is how we are, <laughs> mm. where we, we like the status quo, right? Ghanaians. Mm like the status quo i mean uh toby you, you can compare Accra to lagos you, you see there's a huge difference right Ghanaians mm-hmm. like you know we, we like to be very stable very comfortable and we don't like you know the whole like disruption thing we just like things being the way they are we were sending monies through buses for such a long time and we were pretty okay with it right we were mm-hmm. very okay with that we we didn't have any 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 kind of issue we're doing that for a very long time and nobody said anything because it was working for us. <laughs> right. And this is kind of like similar to what, you know, they, 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 they said about, about Ford, right. If, if Ford had asked people, if, you know, what they wanted, they would have said they wanted faster, faster horses. Horse. And then he, he built yeah. a car. 
yeah ghana is like at that stage right if you if you mm -hmm. asked us at that point in time what would have fixed it the problem we'd probably tell you to you know get buses that can send money to people <laughs> in other mm. places or something <laughs> mm. right mm. yeah but that yeah. that's how we are and and i also think and and that's also why we have uh very few startups in ghana compared to other african countries that are doing well mm. like you know like you know like nigeria kenya south africa we have we have a very a very vibrant uh, economy and, and the country in general is a very good country but the startups are very you know we have, we have very few is is it's it's how we are and and i mean so now my parents don't understand what i do like i've tried to explain it to them <laughs> they don't get it right they are, they are not used to this they are used to someone coming out of school and going to get a job that that's that's the that's the norm right mm. that's like what typically happens and so for a very long time we're just doing this sending money through a bus thing and we were okay with it and then eventually i think some people try to build um this kind of uh mobile money um kind of like uh service some 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 time ago but it, it didn't really work out. i mean there's one thing that i would always credit mtn for i think they are i don't know how they do it but they are really good at penetrating markets and mm. because they have a lot of money so they would inject the 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 capital until they basically crack it and that's what mm. they did. They did with, with, with Ghana. when when they came in and had that partnership with uh, Fidelity and, and started doing this. Every every like all the other telcos said they were crazy, <laughs> right? And mm. they were just wasting money. And they're like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and then ten years down the line, Ghana is basically processing about hundred billion dollars in mobile money transactions, and that's mm. very significant compared to even what's happening uh, in Kenya right now. And um, they, they are they are they are about thirty million wallets in Ghana, which is almost the country's population, right? It's, it's almost the same as the country's the population, and half of them are, are basically the ones doing the hundred billion dollars in transactions. And MTN has about eleven million customers hmm. out of that fifty million, right? Which which is crazy, and like no one saw this coming. Last year, MTN made more money than the banks did, and the banks hmm. were like. How did we? How did we allow this to, to basically happen? We should have learned from Nigeria. Not <laughs> MCN to this thing. Yeah, yeah. Because right? I, I had tried to do it in Lagos uh, yeah. in two hundred eight. Folks were mm -hmm. like, "Nope, this is not going to." <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, but, um, yeah. So that's that's actually one of the the questions or you know things I was going to bring up here, which is just comparing the two markets. How obviously you know mobile money in Ghana. Um, yes, it kicked off in East Africa, but in West Africa, it wasn't really a big thing. Um, and then obviously Ghana made a bit of a wave, but they always got shut down in Nigeria. And even recently, now that they've gotten a few licenses to be sort of like, you know, operators, you know, in, in Nigeria, we're not seeing the same level of traction. And that's because I think the banks, um, initially the banks shut it down. I would not give any support to sort of like mobile money operators. Right. And I think the government also leaned heavily towards the banks in not wanting the network operators to also have like, you know, payment service licenses and things like that. But I know that sort of happened in Ghana as well, which I think the, I was reading an article that mentioned that um, while MTN was trying to really get set up in Ghana, one of the things they had to do was the banks wanted an agreement that MTN will maintain um, sort of like flow of funds or the float of funds within certain banks or a certain percentage so that the banks will be able to get a piece of the transaction. Like how true is that? Like what was that period yeah. like? And uh, just what information do you have about that? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the the structure of uh, mobile money is on the back end. There's a bank. So they basically started with the uh, I think it was uh, Fidelity Bank. Okay. And they 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 are on on the back end. So uh, all the money that goes in into the system sits with the bank. So so that's the that's the float, right? Mm-hmm. And at any point in time, the float and the the value on the mobile money infrastructure ha- has to be the same. If it varies at any point in time, MTM would basically be in, in big trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So the way it, it basically works is that um, there's an individual that has a USSD interface. So I, I should have spoken about that as well. Um, mm-hmm. So because of the, um, so we, we used to have very few smartphones in Ghana back in the day, like when I was in the university, I think only two people had smartphones on, on campus, right? And a lot of people had feature phones. So what a uh, MTN did really well was to build this thing on top of uh, something called USSD, which is kind of like uh, an SMS-based app. You, you just dial star one to one seven zero hash, and then it basically pops up, right? And you can basically transact from there. And from what I heard, I heard it, it was launched in South Africa, but they were, they were, they were, they were using it as a backup for like if, if you didn't have any kind of internet to access, mm. to buy, whatever. You can just use that. It was a backup over there. And then they used that in the rest of Africa, it was like the, the, the go-to thing for everybody because <laughs> every, everybody there had a, had a feature phone, right? So that's like, it's on the, on the user side. And then there's mm. an agent who the user goes to. Now this agent, first of all, has to go deposit money into a bank. So let's say if the agent has, let's say five, $5,000, the agent would go to the bank and then deposit mm. their $5,000 in MTN's account. And then MTN would credit the agents with e-money um, of a value of $5,000. Now the agents would now, if the, if the client comes to the agent and says that, Hey, I want to send, let's say $500 to, to someone. The agent is essentially sending their e-money to the person and taking physical cash from the user. Hmm. Right. And then the hmm. agent will pile up the physical cash and then go and deposit it into MTN's account again. So that's how hmm. the infrastructure is, is basically structured. Right. And then uh, MTN pays the agent a fee for doing what, what, the, uh, what the, uh, they just did. Right. And so mm. at any point in time, the money, the actual money is sitting down with the bank and the bank basically invests and then they make money. Uh, they, they didn't used to give any, they didn't used to give the user any kind of interest until I think two years ago or so, um, when they, they were like, okay, yeah, we know we make a lot of money from this thing. We'll give you guys a certain cut of it. <laughs> right. So mm. that, that, that basically happened. But uh, uh, I think Fidelity made so much money from this that the other banks started approaching MTN. They're like, hey, guys, can you can you send us some of the money? <laughs> right. Mm. So on, on the back end, I think almost all the banks in Ghana have an uh, MTN. Uh, uh, yeah, they, I think almost all of them. I There was one that I met, I think, last two years. I said they were, I mean, it was like three of them. They said they, they, they were not part of the ecosystem, but they were, they were basically joining. Uh, because they saw what the other banks were basically making. They had they had so much float, right? Mm. And so that's kind of like how the system is is basically structured. In nice. in Nigeria, when, when when I was there, I kind of understood why uh, mobile money didn't make sense and why it kind of made sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why it didn't make sense was that uh, the banks also have a have you know like solutions that allow you to send money to people instantly. And that's yeah. what MTN, you know, you know uh, that's that's what, that's what mobile money does in Ghana. Just you know, sending money to someone instantly. Very and so that was already there. Like I, I remember I was in an Uber, and the Uber driver said, hey, "Here's my account number. Send me the money." And I'm like, "This is weird. <laughs> like, why are you giving me your account number?" 
Right. So later I realized that it was a thing. You can actually transfer money to, to, to someone uh, with your account number. Right. And, get and then, yeah, exactly. The other, the other problem was that the banks usually have downtimes. So you'd go to the ATM to withdraw your money and there'll be a long queue. And mm. this happened very frequently. When I, when I was in Lagos, this was like a, a thing. Right. And then you would walk up to the ATM, withdraw their money and hide it, you know, make sure nobody sees it. <laughs> it was just funny. Right. Mm. But I, I saw all of that. And then that was where I was like, I think this is where mobile money makes sense. Right. Because in Ghana, mm. they have about 150,000 agents across the, the, the country. 150,000. Right. So now instead of walking up to an ATM, you could just go to an agent. So just, uh, you know, I mean, Lagos has about, about, about the same population you know, as Ghana, about uh, 30 million people. Just imagine there are, let's say, 200,000 agents that are, that, are, that are spread out, right? You can easily walk up to an agent and then, and then basically take exactly. out your money. You don't have yeah. to go to an ATM, right? So that was where I mm. saw that this mobile money thing made sense. But on the other side, people were already sending money you know, like to, to, to each other mm. on the USSD platform. So I was like, mm, I don't know if this thing would make sense here. <laughs> I wanted to find out, um, I know that you mentioned like a lot of like um, MTN being like the lead player, you know, but are there other um, mobile fintechs out there that are actually giving them like a run for their money in Ghana specifically? So it's funny when I, when I speak to founders, uh, fintech founders in, in Nigeria, what they tell me is that there are very few fintech companies in Ghana because of MTN. Hmm. That's what they tell me. And I'm like, well, I never, I, mean, I never looked at it that way. <laughs> but mm. then when I looked at it, I was like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like going into e-commerce in America when it's an Amazon, you're like, uh, do I want to, you know, do I really want to do this <laughs> or mm. trying to start another social media platform to compete with Facebook. Right. Yeah. And a, a lot of, a, a lot of investors would not even probably give you money to go build something similar. Right. So yeah. mm -hmm. in Ghana, MTN is like the dominant player. The only other companies that are competing with them is Vodafone. They are barely competing. Like Vodafone is barely, barely competing. And then there's another one called, so it's Vodafone Cash and then Airtel mm. to go money. Toby, sorry, mm. yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. like, where would you place Express Pay in this conversation? Because I'm always curious about like the Express what Pay. They do. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I, I know what they do, but it's like, you know, what is their position in the ecosystem when we're having conversations yeah. such as this? And so for everyone who's listening, Express Pay is... I don't even know how to describe them. They they like they allow different businesses or also customers like you know make payments for digital services. Just how InterSwitch started in Nigeria and had the Quick Teller platform. That's how Express Pay sort of like functions. So you can buy airtime, you can send money to banks, you can pay school fees, and if the school sets up an account with Express Pay, so Express Pay allows businesses maybe accept digital payments. But they don't necessarily position themselves like a pay stack, which does something similar or a flutter wave. So just curious from your perspective, Mubarak, like where would you please express pay in this conversation? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I, I would kind of like want to use the fintech license framework to like describe this. Mm -hmm. So the, okay. the top level, the, the, the highest level you can be at is to be a mobile money platform. Right, with agents and allowing people to send money between them. So it's more like a P2P play with the whole MTN yeah. thing. Uh, sorry, yeah. the, the, the whole money thing, right? And then beneath that is the enhanced uh, payment platforms like, yeah. you know, Express Pay you know, and ZPay and all of these other, other kind of like platforms, right? And what they do, uh, Toby, you kind of like 
really describe what they do. What they do mm. is to basically help to connect your existing wallets to their platform and pay for things. Mm. Right. So it could be that you have an MTN wallet, a Vodafone Cash wallet, an Intel to go wallet, a bank account. You can basically connect this to their app and then you, you can basically pay for things. So maybe your your bank, maybe your bank doesn't have a great app or the bank mm. doesn't support paying for let's say electricity. Mm. Right. I mean some of them have that, but they typically have like terrible user experience. So people, some people use Express Pay. So mm. um, I also feel like Express Pay's like demographic is it's it's a it's a niche market. It's a it's mm. a it's a it's a it's a market of people that want to that don't want to use the bank's app to pay for things, and mm. they are open to like connecting their card or their mobile money accounts to the Express Pay app, and then using mm. that app to make the. Payment. So it's kind of like a layer on top of your existing account. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just interested, um, kind of if we were comparing Nigeria and, and Ghana and kind of something that you said there about MTN being so dominant. So do you think that's why maybe in Nigeria there were more of these like fintech companies that came up because there wasn't one bank or telco that was dominating, whereas in Ghana it's been different? Hmm. Yes, I think that's hmm. one of the main reasons. Um, and also I think that's also like when I, when I go to pitch to investors or folks, they always ask me about like, MTN. And I'm like, we're not competing with them. <laughs> but there's, I mean, if you're if you're kind of like building out uh, something or you're scaling into Ghana and you see a player like that, you might always want to make sure that, you know, you're not doing something that is bordering along the lines of what they do because they have a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. They can literally put you out of business if, 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 they, if they so like want to. Um, the, the gap that is missing or the, the gap, um, sorry, the gap that is empty, that is still very empty is... Uh, basically providing core financial products and service, right? Services on top of the existing infrastructure, which has been laid yeah. down by, mm -hmm. by MTN, right? MTN mm -hmm. has done a good job of, they have agents, they have this, they have that, everybody has a wallet in Ghana right now, right? That's the basic level. Now, how do people access savings? People mm -hmm. still don't go to the banks, right? They still mm -hmm. do the group savings thing. They do the Susu thing. They do all these different things. How do people get credit? Right, so there's a there's a fintech company that that partnered with uh, MTN. It's called Jumo. I'm sure you guys probably know them. Yeah, Jumo yeah. from Jumo, SA. Yeah, so yeah. Jumo has a product with with um, a company called Leshego, and uh, uh, Leshego is a savings and loans company. So they partner with them, and then MTN, and they have this thing in Ghana called Quick Loan, which is mm. an, an instant uh, personal loan service. So you can take a loan very quickly. You can literally go on the app on the thing and take a loan right now. Like I can do that right now if I wanted <laughs> to, right? And they would use your history from your like uh, mobile money transactions to mm. you know yeah to, to to know whether you know you kind of qualify for the loan, how much they, they should give you, and, and all these other things. So mm. so there's that layer. There's there are also like investment products. There are insurance products. You know there are pension products. So all of these core financial products and services, we haven't built these things on top of the, the, the infrastructure yet, right? And so that's where we come in with our savings mm, product yeah. <laughs> and the mm. two of our other things that we, we kind of like do. So that's where, the, that's where the gap is, right? Mm. But when you're going in, um, you kind of, I mean, if you're coming from somewhere else, your, your fear is that there's, oh, there's an MTN, they do everything, they put you yeah. out, out of business and all of that. Yeah. I think what you're saying is quite interesting as well, which is just the nuances on the ground. Because, you know, although I've lived in Ghana for quite a while, and honestly, I don't think I can see the gap that you're talking about, but there's even other gaps as well. Because right now, mm -hmm. I feel like what MTN does and what the mobile money players do 
is help P2P peer to peer payments. And that's yes. fine. Like if you need to send money anywhere, it doesn't make sense for another peer to peer startup to say they want to help you do that. But when it comes for like businesses accepting payments and other kinds of payments, it's a challenge, right? If you're looking at yes. Ghana that has like a strong diaspora presence, they do the year of return every time. Yes. Right now, like it's very difficult for someone who comes to Ghana with their cards and everything to process payments in stores that are not your chains, like your game stores or your shop rights. Like if I'm going on the roadside and I don't, and the person can accept payments from me because obviously I don't have an MTN card and I can't plug my card onto my MTN um, sort of like mobile accounts. Like there's just a whole thing that I feel there's a huge gap that is missing that it's very difficult for small businesses, SMEs, to start to accept payments, which is where you have companies like Ose on the ground trying to build out services that allow small businesses to accept payments. Because peer-to-peer, sure, that's fine. Uh, but I feel like that small business angle and like what you said, the other services on top of these things, paying for insurance, you know, all of these other kinds of things that MTN might try to do. But like you said, the nuances of offering these services, if you don't understand the problem that well, just enabling that feature on your app isn't going to solve the problem. Uh, but yeah, just curious, yes. just interesting uh, nuances you've mentioned there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what you said, you know, like like I was saying, there are, there are so many problems in the country and we're just, you know, kind of like used to the status quo and we like the status quo. Mm. So there are just so many different things that, so many gaps that no one is filling. And sometimes you have people mm. that would come from Lagos and come and live in Ghana to come solve problems that we have. And I'm like, you know, mm. <laughs> it's a thing, right? But yeah, there are so many gaps. So many mm, gaps exist. Mm. What like, like what you said is is, is one of the the, the 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 kind of like the the big ones. Um, like when I when I when I go to store, so uh, MTN has a thing where you can go to a store and pay with their with their wallets, but you need to have mm. an uh, you need to have a mobile money wallet first, mm. right? And you can't come from the US and like instantly have a wallet, right? Yes. And you might not even want to create a wallet, right? Mm. So how do you mm. have something where you can just plug in your your card? And then be able to pay for stuff or just yeah. come in with your app and the thing maybe uh, maybe accepts a, a certain kind of payment which 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 happens right but by the way mm. it happens but it happens in in certain areas with certain businesses but like we like we're saying the informal sector in africa is very huge right mm. it's, it's it's the biggest sector it, it is the economy in africa right and most people that run businesses in ghana are informal sector workers and these people are the ones that sell the clothes, the the food. If I mean, it's either you're going to them or you're going to the mall, and the mm. things are the mall, it's super super expensive. So you you would want to go to them, right? But Toby, like you said, those people don't have any way of actually accepting any kind of you know like payment aside cash. I'm interested. Are you seeing companies that are kind of plugging these holes or trying to like? Obviously, you guys are, are one of them in a way. Um, but the kind of payment thing you're talking about with you know small businesses, um, and then is it Ghanaian companies that are coming up? doing it or is it companies from outside maybe from nigeria or whatever that are moving their services in that are gonna you know work better or yeah i'm just interested in that nuance as well between yeah. the countries yeah um for the problem that to be described so there, there are companies like express pay that help you do this but um again they are they are um so the thing is there's a there's like i said there's a huge informal sector it's huge in Ghana. It's very, very big. And they are the ones that provide most of the goods and services. It's them, right? And then there are like shops that are like in East Legon, in Cantonment, in Osu, <laughs> you know, expensive that are more areas, advanced, yeah. expensive. They are more advanced and they will be able to take, take your, your card payments. Some of them have, have card machines. 
Oh, also, there are, one of the main differences that I observe between Ghana and Nigeria is that there's a huge like culture of like using card Cards. in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Like it's very big. I, ha- I had friends that had like five cards, and they, they like each card had its own purpose, mm-hmm. right? They would have one that like if 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 we're gonna order something in the group, there's a card mm-hmm. that they would everyone would give to like the person going to place the order. And they would use that and they don't care if someone hacks it they don't really they don't really care right mm-hmm. and then there's a card where they keep their their, their savings or mm-hmm. which is linked to their savings invest or their bank account and i was like very shocked <laughs> and you would go to places and they would they would ask if you can pay pay with the, with the, with yeah. the, with the yeah with the pos yeah. and i'm like this doesn't i mean i i remember i i went to a store in ghana and i told mm-hmm. it that I, I was struggling so sometimes when i try to send money from my bank to an MTN kind of like wallet, it takes a while. Like in the night, it's usually very slow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, do you, do you have a POS machine? She's like, mm, she, she doesn't want to pay the taxes. And I'm like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. So yeah. You, have, you, have, yeah. you have shops like that, that don't want to don't want to have any kind of POS machines because they have mm-hmm. to pay taxes and this and that, right? Yeah. I mean, traditionally, the ones from the banks are super expensive. But like in South Africa, we've got lots of these like companies coming up with the smaller ones. But I guess they're still Yoko. taking a... Yeah, cut, right? Yeah, Yoko, all of those guys. Yeah. But they're yeah. still taking a cut, which people don't really want, whereas cash, I guess. Yeah, because it's kind of similar to the US as well, because I know that's why we have like cash apps and all these guys or um, Square. Which, um, Square, yeah, yeah, exactly. Square yeah. trying to allow small businesses accept payments and that kind of way. Um, interesting. Yeah. interesting. It's kind of interesting because yeah. like we talk about mobile money and that kind of stuff, all this fintech as if it's a silver bullet that's um, you know, fixing everything and making everything so easy. But then the reality is on the ground is like not always working that well, right? That's super yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Obviously, I write a lot about all these tech companies who are like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. we're doing all this, we're saving yeah. the unbanked, we're helping everyone. But then actually, it's not it's really working crazy. that well. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. I, I saw something on Twitter early on. Um, and the person was saying, you know, we have all these like fintech companies, but it's still very difficult for me to send money across the continent. So what oh, are yeah. people actually building? Right, you know, I'm watching the TV and I'm watching TV and I'm seeing ads of people saying they can power this, but when it's time to get yeah. it done, it's like there's nothing different. The only difference between you and Western Union is that your app looks nicer and you appeal to me in that sense, not because not because it's actually more efficient for me to use your service. And so I think that's what blows my mind quite a lot, and which is why I feel like there's so much work to be done. Um, yeah, and we're just in day one, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's about actually. throwing money at the problem. I think it's about people understanding that some problems are just going to be unsexy and you sort of like have yep. to figure out a way to just do it and make it functional, not because it's going to be a $10 billion business, but because it's the yep. infrastructure necessary for the rest of the ecosystem to be built. Um, and I don't think that information is coming as true just yet. Because in Nigeria, InterSwitch, a lot of what we see and are celebrating in Nigeria, I believe, InterSwitch did a lot of the heavy lifting in the early days, you know, getting banks to even agree to come together as one network, a bit of help from the Nigerian government as well, that allowed banks to send money to each other. Because I know when I got to Ghana, like the thing you said, it takes, what, 24 hours for a payment to reflect, even if it's within the same bank. And you're wondering, like, you know, I guess there's (laughs) slowing down connections to, you know, assess fraud, but there's also just ridiculousness, which is what I thought the situation was. It's yeah. just nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, actually. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, too, yeah. so what you said, uh, when we, so when, I mean, we managed, we, we were able to onboard a lot of users. Like that was, I think that's the easiest thing we, we, we can do. Onboard mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of like, a lot of users. Cause 
um, I mean, like coming from an from an informal, you know, sector kind of like background, and coming from a house, you know, where I have a lot of the people that were basically targeting, I, I had a very good understanding of of the of the user. So we we basically mm. leveraged that to onboard a lot of people. And mm. when we, when the banks up, up, when 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 we went to the banks for to like partner with them, some of them came to us, right? And they were very shocked. They're like, we've done something that is very difficult for them to do. Right. And, and Toby, like you said, it's not just about throwing money at the problem. You know, it's it's about going, like you said, it, it do, it's doing the things that are not sexy. It's going down there and onboarding the people <laughs> and getting them onto, onto the platform and getting them to actually use it. That That's what's needed. Not just mm. running some ad on telly or partnering with some mm. ambassador and paying them huge sums of money. There's, mm. there, there's issues. Like, <laughs> there are all these tech platforms, but people still have issues trying to just send... Mm. You know, trying to just do something very, very simple. The issues are still yeah. there, which is very Absolutely. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. how does um, regulation factor in? Because um, you know, is it is it, is it is it harder for people to come in and 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 and, and solve these solutions? You know, these problems, or is it just you know, like like it, is it is it because it's just. Um, they're not catering for the market. What is the regulation the one um, that's stopping, you know, um, the the process as well? Yeah, I mean, it's part. I think it's 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 mainly one of it's it's the main reason why a lot of external players can't expand into Ghana easily. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest reason why, because you know, there's so many like capital requirements. First of all, if you need to incorporate and you're a foreign company, there's huge <laughs> capital requirements. You know, over two, 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 uh, you know, $100,000, basically. Mm-hmm. And then wow, after yeah. that, you need to go get a license, right? <laughs> and the licensing mm-hmm. process to, especially if you're, so that the, the, there's this thing called the, the PSP license framework in Ghana. It's for fintech companies. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the regulator just launched this sandbox thing as well, uh, where you can get onto their, their sandbox and then, kind of like pilots, whatever you want to do before, before you kind of like launch it. But at the end of the day, they have this license framework there. And there's one category which doesn't have any minimum capital. It's called a standard license, but it, 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 like, it doesn't allow you to basically do much. If you want to do like serious stuff, you want to do payments, you want to do, you know, mobile money, you need to basically have a lot of, I think for, for the mobile money tier, it's about $3 million for the, for the stated capital. Which is like, hmm. you know, yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then the 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 minimum uh, the minimum minimum capital is about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Hmm. And that's for um, I think that was that's for um, I think it's it's the, it's the medium license I think yeah. And then there's hmm. there's an enhanced license for payment companies like Paystack, Flutterwave. You need to have about four hundred thousand dollars for that. So hmm. for sure, I think it's one it's it's one of the it's the big it's one of the big things that stops you from going in. Um, the other thing is that I think FinTech is just difficult. I think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's, 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 it's not like, you know, I, I feel like I would, I probably like be able to easily build like an e-commerce business or like, a, mm. I don't know, B2B something. <laughs> but FinTech <laughs> is like, it's really difficult. Like you really need to, especially if you're doing, you know, FinTech for B2C or in, in the, in the B2C space, that's even more difficult because mm. you first of all need to, go, you know, sort out, make sure that there's so many structures, you know, all this ISO, ISO, whatever certifications you need to comply mm-hmm. with, you know, AML, uh, you know, you know, like, you know, like CFT stuff, there's, you know, KYC stuff. There's like so many things that you have to, there's so many, um, 
kind of like check boxes that you you kind of like have to take care of that it's just very difficult to do and also when mm. you've done all of these things you also have to make sure that your system is is constantly okay yeah. <laughs> you know you cannot yeah. have someone hack you you cannot have a downtime if there's a downtime i remember someone told me that kuda and piggy this you know you know every like every now and then they they, they trend on twitter because mm. of downtime yeah. you know so fintech is just very very difficult and i also that's also why i i feel like you, you you can't succeed without working with the banks. Hmm. You can't do it. And a lot of fintech companies, um, I think the thing is, you know, th- this whole startup thing, go in, go and basically disrupt the thing. You don't do that in fintech. You work with the banks, <laughs> hmm. right? They have the, I mean, even this 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 P2P thing, you can leverage the banks to help to help people send monies, you know, like to other people, hmm. you know, in, in a very fast way, or to even help the bank help them i mean help them send by acquiring help, like yeah. help them yeah you know help their users send money to other people in the in the, in the very fast so you just have to align what you're doing with them and show mm. them how they can do what they want to do in a faster way like they, they they are literally chasing us for for you know like partnerships on a daily basis and there were mm. some that we wanted to work with we'll probably do it next year but i i realized that they already have the infrastructure laid down and it's boring what they have is like super boring it's super old and everything we have technology. Mm-hmm. They are very good with money. They know how mm. to manage money. They are really mm. good with that. Just that they have the major problem with them is that their tech is like super you know, outdated and it's, legacy. It's, it's outdated. Yeah. Right. So what they need, and that's what fintech. That's I mean, essentially, that's what fintechs are. Mm. Right. We're built mm. basically enable banking services. That's what yeah. we do. So if you try to create another bank you literally you know and that i, I believe that's why these these some of these kind of like startups are having these issues they think yeah. they can build without a bank and <laughs> do blockchain and this and that and there's ftx <laughs> and everybody's so, like yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it's an interesting point and i think you know we can probably like yeah. drive it home here but i think what's what might be happening is that when it comes to offering financial services if you don't own the entire value chain um, you have to do way more volumes than is necessary. And so everybody's trying to hold and be the repository of funds. And to do that, wherever you are, you kind of like have to get the bank license. And once you pay so much for the bank license, you kind of like want to then just use the full license by becoming a bank because it's super expensive exactly. to do that. So I think there's maybe a space for regulation to really play a space in making sure that, yeah. yes, you can play in this space and still get value without having mm-hmm. to depend only on holding funds uh, for that then to be your main bread and butter. Because if we look at FTX and whatnot, what was happening was they ran their own, you know, other arm and they were yeah, using their, you know, exactly <laughs> funds from those guys. So everybody's chasing, everybody wants to hold everybody's funds and then use it to make money, um, which is what banks are really set up to do. Um, yeah. But not everybody can yeah. do that because it requires huge capital. But anyways, Paula, do you want to take us home here? <laughs> um, no, it's just super interesting. Like, I think what you're saying, it just seems that the regulators are a bit short-sighted, right? Um, you want to make all this money, yeah. so you make the, the fees so high, but then what you're doing is actually hurting the system, right? Not yeah. not helping it. It seems like we have to play in the banking systems, but we also have to um, try to build our own things on top. So maybe, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we've got to think of different ways of how that can integrate better. Maybe just one last comment from you about that. Are the banks sort of on board with all the fintechs that they want them to to join? Is it are they also fighting the regulation thing, like finding it difficult? Or yeah. because I mean, I think in the beginning they were scared. Okay, all their business is going to be taken away. But now are they starting yeah. to realize actually, if we if we play with these guys, it's going to be better for everyone. Yep. Yeah. So um, in Ghana, 
the thing is they're always very open like they've been chasing us for partnerships they literally email me they send me messages on even on linkedin you know for a bank <laughs> if a bank sends a message on linkedin that people are like you know outdated people <laughs> it's funny so um yeah so they they are like they are very eager because they they are seeing that we have developed better ways to service their customers or the people that they want to service right and they are they are they are stronghold or their main advantage or like um, kind of like strength is in fund management. That's where the bank's strength lies, right? So my prediction for the future is that the banks would, would um, kind of like in, uh, 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 very, very soon close down their retail banking kind of like aspects, right? That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think they would, they would basically close all of that down and leverage on fintech companies to service the kind of users or the kind of customers that they, they, they used to have, right? So... Um, and that's what I think would, would basically happen. So the banks are looking for solutions to make what they're doing better, tech solutions that can help, you know, do their, their work in a, in, a, in, a, in a better way. The other thing is that the banks are the ones that would possibly acquire us. Right? Yeah, sure. If they see how useful what you're doing is, they're more likely to, you know, buy you. So you don't want to, I don't know if you want to build out, the thing is, if you want to build out another bank, that means that you have to get banking licenses wherever you go, which doesn't make any business sense, right? Mm-hmm. So the, what you want to do is to leverage on them to, to basically kind of like scale within where you are and, and, and also leverage on them to scale to other countries. Because some of them are, most of the banks have like branches in other countries, right? You look at EcoBank, APSA, there's an APSA in Ghana. Yeah. You know, you don't have to build the entire, you don't have to build the entire thing from, from kind of like scratch, right? So they are, I mean, from what I've seen, they're always very open to like working with fintech companies. You just have to make a very strong business case to them that this is how you can help make what you're doing better. And they'll pay you for it so long as it brings them money. Yeah, no, it's exactly the same thing we've heard from a lot of um, other fintechs on the on the podcast, because the thing is, if you want to move into other countries, you've got to get a license in every single country. So it's actually better to partner with someone who maybe has those licenses already. All right, well, it's been a really interesting conversation, but I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. But thanks very much for, for joining us. It's been so great to get yeah, an insight kind of into the ecosystem on the ground. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys do going forward and all the best. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's been great being here. Thanks for listening to the Connecting Africa podcast. If you enjoyed this one, you can find our previous episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We have more episodes coming this season, so subscribe to hear more interviews with African startup founders and interesting personalities from the tech and telecoms industry. If you want to find out the latest news about Africa's tech ecosystem, you can go to connectingafrica.com.